Hey, this is Victor Chustel, and you're listening to Who Are You Again? A show where I call people that probably want nothing to do with me. If you like what you hear, subscribe. Thanks for listening. Phone ringing off the hook. Got me a little shook. Who's on the Hello, 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 and welcome to Who Are You Again? Where I have phone calls with people who wouldn't bother to talk to me otherwise. Today, I'll be speaking with someone who used to literally hide under my bed in college. He's a big fan of Purple and Gold. He's probably the biggest fan of Charmed. And I'm talking about the OG one with Alyssa Milano and Shannon Doherty. So, you know, the real one. Um, He's funny. He's unapologetic. And now he's armed with the gun. (laughs) Josh, how's it going? Hello. (laughs) First off, let's correct your intro real quick because you left out Holly Marie Combs and that charm trio and Rose McGowan. And they are just as equally as important as Shannon and Alyssa. So let's put them in there. (laughs) Holly Marie who? Okay. Do you really need to talk about that? (laughs) We're not going to do that. I would... (laughs) We're not going to do that. <laughs> she, I think she was the forgettable. Oh one my God. There that, I think that, that she was, no, 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 no. She was the best actress out of that entire series. She carried that show for eight seasons. Where is she now? Okay. She's raising her sons. <laughs> She's got three kids of her own. Okay. She needed that show, but who am I to talk? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the shade. So, <laughs> so For everyone listening, this is probably, I think, the sixth time or seventh time that we've done this. Yes, because you can't get your shit together. It's because Josh doesn't have an iPhone. Okay, that's what we're not going to do. And which Josh, by the way, the new iPhone was just announced. So I hope you're able to get your hands on that (laughs) new technology. Listen, it's not about being able to. It's about not wanting to. Although I may get the new Samsung S20 or whatever they just came out with, but I refuse to join the iPhone cult. I'm not so sipping what, that apple what juice. Your, what is <laughs> apple juice? I'm totally sipping apple juice. Everything <laughs> I have is Apple. I have the iPhone. I have the MacBook. No, no. I have, no. I have <laughs> everything's Apple. What is your beef with Apple? I just, I feel like everyone who has Apple is very like, oh my God, I have Apple. I'm like, I only respond to certain colored messages and you can FaceTime me. I refuse <laughs> to talk any other way. And I'm like, your phone works the same as mine. So get over it. Oh my God. This is going to sound awful, but our friend Beth texted me last night and she doesn't have an iPhone. And she was like, Victor, you should download this app on Google, whatever, so that we can like have like a FaceTime, just not actual yeah. FaceTime. And my first reaction <laughs> wasn't even like, oh, yeah, I want to talk to Beth. It was like, ew, that's not FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't want an iPhone. I don't want to be that like holier than thou Apple user. I don't think it's like so that. All you Apple users out there, <laughs> you still have a chance to redeem yourself because Samsung has all new phones. Android has all new phones. 
call your local Verizon or Sprint, whoever you use. Don't go in there though, because the Corona will get you, but you can call, you can go on their website. (laughs) (laughs) I think they are open though. Like I think the physical stores are actually open. But why risk it? Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not advocating for going to the store to get a new phone. Absolutely not. Just call. They'll ship it. Um, or they'll have like roadside pickup, which I hear a lot of businesses are actually doing. Which is so weird that all these businesses are doing stuff like that. It's like modern day drug deals, you know? Like, <laughs> it's so strange to me. It really is. Did you see on Instagram... My friend Owen, he dropped off hand sanitizer. I think it was like last week or the week before. Of course, we were just joking around, but it totally felt like a drug deal because he was (laughs) slipping it through the top of his window. And I was like very carefully reaching to grab it. Yeah, what a crazy time. Yes. So what does life look like for you right now during this pandemic in North Carolina, because I know you're in North Carolina, yes. what does life look like for you? Because as I said earlier in the intro, Josh is armed with a gun. Bang, and bang. I didn't just say that for fun. Bang, bang. I didn't just say that for funsies. I actually said that because Josh works as a police officer. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Which I think is fascinating in itself. So what is it <laughs> like being a cop in general than being a black cop on top of that? And now also being a cop during a pandemic. Those are a lot of loaded questions. So I'm going to try to, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try to do one at a time. Okay. So please cite your sources. I got this. I'm the only source that matters. So, Um, (laughs) okay. No, honestly, being a police officer in general is a lot like being in a fraternity. You know, it's a lot like Greek life as far as like going through police academy or rookie school whatever you call it. It's a lot like going through a pledge week or a pledge period. You get pledged in, you get on the streets, you get your badge and gun, which is like getting your Greek letters. And then you're out in the street, like (laughs) enforcing laws and like carrying out the message of your fraternity, you know? Would your fraternity be the USA? (laughs) No. (laughs) It's, It's weird because it really is like being a part of a fraternity. I don't know where your listeners are coming from or you know, what their background is. But if they know anything about Greek life, being a part of a police force is like being a part of a chapter of a fraternity. Like we have police all over the world. So it's like, you know, a global organization, but then we have our own different organizations in each city, in each state, in each county. So it is like being a part of a large fraternity in a way. I mean, I think that makes sense. I would imagine it's one of those things that if you're not in it, you probably don't understand it. Yes. Because I think, you know, that's a good example. I think Greek life is that way. I think anytime you're in a cast of a show, you have that bond with those people in the cast and no one else can really understand that. And so, I mean, it makes sense to me. But I love being a police officer. It's one of the best things I've ever done. It is rewarding, but at the same time, there are days where you're just like, people will be yelling at you or cussing at you or spitting at you and trying to fight you just because of the uniform you wear and not for who you are personally. And at the same time, you have to remember that you can't take it personally, even though a part of you is Mm -hmm. like, motherfucker, I just want to, you know, but you got to (laughs) maintain professionalism (laughs) and you got to check your own ego and own selfish stuff at the door and do the job the best of your ability without bias. I remember... I used to work as a pre-K teacher years ago, like in between theater jobs. 
And there was this one boy who I actually loved. His name was Jaden. He was really, really sweet. But he had some behavior issues. And I remember one day he spat on me. Mm. The world was spinning because actual Victor wanted to come out and react to someone <laughs> spitting on me. Yes. <laughs> but I really had to dial it back and I was like, okay, Victor, this is a child. This kid is literally five years old. He's not even going to remember this like a month from yeah. now. It's not a big deal. So, yeah, okay. I feel like I would have difficulty with that as a Well, cop. imagine having a grown adult spit in your face during a pandemic. Because that's what I have to deal with. So I don't know. Everybody knows the Rona's out there, right? And this happened to me <laughs> a week ago. I had to deal with a trespasser who'd been banned from a property. And I go in and he straight says to me, I'm not speaking to you. I don't know who you are. And I'm in uniform, which is clearly marked as police. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you don't need to know who I am. You know, my name's on my uniform. I'm in a uniform. They're telling you you need to leave. You need to leave. And he just spits in my face. Now, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Are we talking like gleeking? No, 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 no. I mean like, you know? Oh. And mm. lucky for me, I wear, they're like sunglasses, but they're clear lenses. So I wear clear lens. They're Oakley. So not that I'm sponsored by Oakley, but they're getting a shout out here. <laughs> uh, they're protective lenses. They're clear lenses, glasses that I wear. And the unit that I'm on, I'm on a specialized unit. I get to wear a ball cap. So I had my ball cap on and I had my glasses on. So when he spit, my head was tilted down because I was in the process of putting on gloves. And so a lot of his saliva projectile, I'm going to try to keep mm. it classy, got mm. on my glasses and my hat. But still, just in normal circumstances, if someone spits in your face, you're already like zero to 100. But then to have it happen during a global pandemic, you're like, okay, now the stakes are really raised. So that's the stuff that we're dealing with, law enforcement. And that's not even like the worst of it, honestly. It's not. I'm trying to fathom that. So is this like a daily sort of thing that you have to deal with on a normal basis, you would say? Not a daily thing, but it is something that I have to consider every day because stuff like that happens, if not to me, then to officers all over, especially in the United States right now, like... It happens. This is the first time I've ever been spit on, but I've been spit at before. I've been physically mm-hmm. assaulted before. I've been in physical altercations with people before. But yeah, like I said, the fact that that we have the COVID-19, the coronavirus, or the Rona, as I call it, going around, like I said, it raised the stakes. Like it made me that much more yeah. to be like, are you out of your fucking mind? And again, we wear body cameras um, for lots of reasons and for yeah. good reasons, but even if I didn't have the body camera, I still have to carry myself in a respectable manner and I can't be outside of our use of force continuum. So like the fact that he spit on me, there's certain things that I could do to react to that, but I can't go above and beyond that. So in a normal circumstances, if someone spits in your face, like you said with that little kid, you just like, it's fight mm-hmm. or flight mode. Like you're ready to fuck someone up. But being in a professional mm-hmm. setting and especially being under the eagle eye that we are as law enforcement, I can't just go ham on this guy. So it's tough. So full disclosure, I just have to put it out there to people listening. I did not want to fuck up that child. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you said. That's what I heard. <laughs> I did not want to hit that child. <laughs> you heard it here first. He's a child that. abuser. <laughs> I had my natural response which is like seeing red 
But yeah, so like that blows my mind. Would you say that you still get scared from your job or are you just so used to it now that it's not really scary or was it ever scary for you? I mean, I don't really know if scared's the word. I'm just alert a lot going into certain circumstances. Like that one, for instance, I was dispatched with another officer and I canceled that officer as soon as it was dispatched. I was like, it's a minor trespassing. I can get the guy to leave. It's no big deal. But luckily, or I don't even know if it's luck, coincidentally, my supervisor happened to be walking in as soon as this guy spit in my face. So he was there to back me up as we had to go hands-on with this guy. So for me, I don't really have a fear. I'm just like alert and ready to do whatever's necessary because in that circumstance, it could have gone as easy as the guy getting up and saying, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be here and leave. It could have been like with him spitting. It could have been him physically trying to assault me or he could have pulled a weapon and then that escalates things. So you never know when we go into these situations, how little it can be or how great it can be. But I do think that if you, if you go in with fear, you're not doing your job the way that it needs to be done because your fear is going to hinder you from acting accordingly. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, you will never, ever see me as a police <laughs> officer. I think, so Josh and I haven't seen each other, I know, in at least, I think, two years or yeah. so. Yeah, it'll um, be two years. I think this is October. It'll be two years. Yeah, because we saw each other at homecoming at Emory, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably. But I think I remember telling you, like, I would be absolutely the worst cop ever. Uh, <laughs> it would just be, I would, wouldn't want to go anywhere. I'd be so afraid every single day. There would be like, Victor, you have to go into the house. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, oh, I don't think so. So I can commend anyone that is able to do it. And bravo to you because I couldn't. And it totally makes sense that you can. I feel like your personality and how I know you, it makes sense that you would go into a profession like that yeah. because I feel like you're, you've always been a very bold person and kind of fearless. I mean, everyone has fears, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like you don't let your fears hold you back. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yes, and I feel like you have to have that quality to be in law enforcement in some way. Yeah. So... We've both been out of college for at least like seven years on my part and eight years on your part. But speaking of like being a cop, um, you weren't always, you know, a cop. And we used to do theater together once in college. Once upon a time. (laughs) So do you think your life is what you expect it, it to be or has it turned out differently? You know, I don't think I ever imagined my life looking the way it does right now in a lot of ways. But I don't know. What do you think? It's weird because growing up my entire life, I always thought, okay, I want to write, I want to act, or I would be a police officer. Like police officer has always been, I call it my parachute job because I felt like no matter what, if I was free falling, I could use a parachute and it would catch me. And that's how I felt about law enforcement. I was like, no matter what, I can try to get into this profession. If I succeeded, it's what I'm going to do. And I ended up being what happened. And I have no regrets about it working that way, especially since graduating college, I knew from day one, I was like, I don't want to do theater professionally ever again in my life. This is not something I want to do. 
-hmm. It's fun. And I would love, even now, I would love if I had the time to get into it as a hobby or on the side or just for fun, like doing some kind of community theater or something. But professionally, I couldn't do it. It's too competitive and you have to travel everywhere. It's too much for me. Yeah, I really miss it, but it's it's weird. I don't miss it in the sense of, oh God, like my life is awful if I don't do it. Because I went into theater after we graduated from college. I performed for like four or five years Mm -hmm. and I loved those years and I had a lot of fun traveling and a lot of times, a lot of fun meeting new people and other actors, et cetera, et cetera. But then I know I reached a point where I found that what I wanted in my life was starting to shift. And I started valuing being in one place and wanting to like maybe date and meet someone else. And all of that, I think, is really hard as an actor because you know this. When you're in theater, it's all about theater. It has to be all about about theater. theater. All about theater. And it's like, fuck your personal life. Fuck this theater. And that aspect of it, I didn't like. I was like, yeah. you know, I'm not a robot. I want to have friends. <laughs> I want to, I mean, I had friends, but I wanted to have friends in one place. And I wanted to really kind of plant my roots somewhere. And I think being an actor and being able to do all of those things sometimes is a tug of war. I also didn't like how competitive acting world is in the theater world and how like some people were willing to like, metaphorically slit someone's throat to get a role. And that's not the type of person I am. Like I've never been super mm-hmm. competitive in that aspect. Like that's why I didn't play sports or any of that stuff. Because as soon as it got too competitive, I was like, all right, I'm out. This is not fun anymore. I don't want to do it. So for me, it was all about the fun of theater and enjoyment. And then like the more I learned about the world of theater, the more that we were trained in certain aspects and stuff. For me, it took a lot of the fun mm-hmm. out of it. And it just became like very cutthroat and I didn't like that. Yeah, I definitely feel that. So like, what would you say are the biggest differences between yourself in college and yourself now? I probably have a lot more patience now than I had in college. And (laughs) (laughs) I also express myself in in better ways now than I did then. Let's talk about Josh's temper in college. I had a great temper. I don't know what you mean. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I will say one of my personal accomplishments, which a lot of people can't say, is that I probably had a visit to the dean's office every year while I was in college. That's like a personal achievement. Did you really? I did. For one reason or the other, I made my way to the dean's office once a year while I was at Emory. Was it Pam? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm sure every time I came in her office, she was probably like this guy. What were you doing to land up in the dean's office in college? I mean, the first two years, it was all roommate related. Like my first year was because of my uh, freshman roommate. My second year was because of my roommate, which I had for, I think, like two weeks. We didn't even last two weeks. But yeah. that wasn't because of me. He went to the dean and then they called me in and it was like he made all these accusations or claims. And I was like, this is BS, whatever. I'm an adult. I don't have to deal with this. The third year, <laughs> it's because... They made one of the new academic buildings. I don't even remember what it, it was named after one of the trees, like oak, elm, <laughs> birch. I don't know. They all are. <laughs> Some tree. Maple. I don't know the fucking name of it. And in the building, they had three or four floors and they were each color coordinated. So we had this great idea when we were drinking one time to rearrange one piece of furniture from each floor to like mix the colors. We're like diversity. Yeah. So while this mm-hmm. was happening, 
I was pushing like a yellow chair from the yellow floor to the red floor. And there were two RAs sitting on the red floor and they were like, what are you doing? As I'm pushing the yellow chair out of the elevator, mm-hmm. it happened to be scraping the floor of the, of the building. So it like caused like $450 worth of damage or so I was told. And so that was the, the <sighs> third time I went to the Dean's office. It was about that. And then I don't remember what it was for my senior year, but I'm sure it had something along the lines of doing that. Maybe yelling at security because I yelled at them a lot. Me and security, oh but it is security. Yeah, I thought they were a joke. So security at Emory and Henry, for some background, <laughs> our school only had 1,000 students. So for me, it was like probably the smallest school I've ever had in my life, which usually college ends up being your biggest school. Yeah. But our security force was literally comprised of maybe seven people. And they were just not helpful. No, one of them was like a 70-year-old woman who fed the cat. Like, what was she going to secure? Yes. (laughs) What was her name? I I know. I know all um, the Emory listeners. They're going to be like, oh, this was her name. How could they forget her name? But No, it's not Shirley. Wait, it was Shirley. I think it was Shirley. I'm going to say it, Shirley. It's something oh along those gosh, lines, but cat. she would be the cat. And she was yeah. one sneeze away from breaking a hip. <laughs> she is really old. I don't think she's there anymore. Like someone told me that, I guess, Emery let her go. Let her go. I don't know how you do that. After <laughs> they wheeled her out in the wheelchair. <laughs> was like, thank you for your services. It's time for you to retire. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, security was useless. And our school had a no drinking policy. And the security guards, I remember they would have like beer cans and shit and like their golf carts that they would drive around. And I don't think they were collecting beer cans. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they were drinking. Oh, I do know for a fact that at least one of them could be bribed with alcohol. It was done more than once. So scandalous. Was it the bigger guy? I'm not going to say who. I'm not. But yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, okay. There we go. So you were saying that you feel like you have more patience now. Would you say that you liked yourself in college? Yes and no. I mean, not at first it's because I was trying to fit in, not really with any group or anything, just fitting in with the college atmosphere. Because I went into college thinking that it was going to be more like Greek, the TV show that came on once upon a time. Like I (laughs) thought college was going to be like, Fun times, parties, going to school and, you know, (laughs) learning interesting stuff and not really having Mm -hmm. to do too much, but being able to make it through. And that's not at all what college is or was for me. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think Greek in particular kind of had like that fun, like everyone's just kind of hanging out thing about it. And I mean, Emory had that too, but I don't know. So for me, I think the biggest difference between myself now and myself then is that I think I was very naive. Very, 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 very naive. You were a pushover. Like, my God. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's true. (laughs) I was a pushover and I was easy to convince and... I had very little confidence. So, you know, now when I beat myself up, I just have to remember how 
Little yeah, confidence I had then. I remember you used to say that I was so mean to you, but for me, I wasn't being mean to you. I was like, no, you need to stand up for yourself. You need to say this. You need to do this. And you were like, you're so mean. And I'm like, I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you, don't be such a pushover. Don't be so nice all the time. Yeah, I was definitely a pushover. And I think now I'm a lot less naive and I'm a lot more aware of other people and their intentions. Um, but in terms of like liking myself in college, I think I did like myself then. But in retrospect, I feel like I was very kind of not closed minded, but uptight. Yeah. And I wish I would have had a little bit more fun in college. I mean, you and I <laughs> spoke about like all the parties <laughs> and like sometimes I think college had too much social, 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 social going on all the time. But I wish I would have learned to relax because I feel like every day in college for me felt like there was going on. If it wasn't Greek life, it was like me having some sort of situation with a boy. It was always a boy. And years always. later, I can only recall yeah, always. I can only recall maybe a handful of the experiences I had with boys <laughs> then. But yeah. Like so crazy? It's weird. Oh. <laughs> no. So crazy. No. So what do you think like the most important aspect you took from college into your adult life? Oh my God. From like an education perspective Just anything. or in general? Because like for me, um, I feel like college taught me to be more social and to be able to adapt to different people in different situations. And that definitely helps with the career path that I have now in that aspect. But I think that if I hadn't gone to college, I wouldn't be so open to other people and other people's views and like being able to jump into any situation and being like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what needs to be done. I agree with that actually. And I think that's something I struggled with like freshman year of undergrad because growing up, I was always the person that always had, like, my core, like, good three solid friends. Mm -hmm. And I think going into college, I was expecting it would be the same thing. I was like, all right, I'm going to have my core, like, three or four people. And life is just not that way. Yeah. And in college, you know, I made really close friendships with certain people like, you know, Brian... But I definitely think I became more well-rounded. I was able to branch out and meet and talk with a lot more people than I would have before in high school. Mm -hmm. So, I, yeah, I guess that probably had the biggest impact on me. Yeah. If you could change anything about your time, what would you change and why? I probably would have taken my classes in education part of college more seriously because there's a lot of classes and stuff that I took that I don't remember at all. I remember the general ideas, like I took a linguistics class, which I feel like was useful. Any of the acting classes have been very useful. Like I had a discrete intro to discrete math class, which I have no idea what the <laughs> hell that was. To this day, I don't know what I learned in that class. I don't know how I made it through that class. And I don't even know what discrete math is. So I keep forgetting to Google what discrete math is. I don't know. Was. Like I said, it's <laughs> so discrete, you don't know what it is. But like, <laughs> I don't know. I took that class in college. I took Spanish. I don't know a lick of Spanish. So yeah, I just wish I would have taken the education part more seriously, especially since I didn't have to pay for any of it. So it would have, oh, it would that's have been right. nice. Ugh, fuck you. Yeah, I was a Bonner <laughs> Scholar and an Irene Ryan Scholarship recipient, which to this day, I don't know who the hell she is, but thank you, Irene. 
<laughs> Thanks, Irene. <laughs> Hopefully, Irene can take care of Rona. Get rid of Rona. Right. Get rid of the Rona. And I'm officially calling it the Rona. Here's why. Because people call the flu the flu, and that ain't that bitch's name. It's influenza. So if the flu can get a cute little nickname, so can the Rona. So. <laughs> the Rona. I feel bad for anyone out there whose name is Rona. But chances are, if your name's Rona, you're probably like 75 years old. Yeah. You know, every time I say Rona, I think of Rona Peretti. I think that was her name. It was the character in 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Uh, you know what I'm about? Mary, love. Mary Sheridan's old role. Yes. To this so day, I, I still listen to two songs from that show. And that is Pandemonium and the I Love You song. Literally, I listen to them, if not once a day, at least once a week. <laughs> and that's not an exaggeration or a joke. I listen to them every now and then. I was listening to... Pippin recently, which you weren't in because you had graduated, but I don't know. I went down this like spiral on Spotify where I was like, I want to listen to musical theater. Yeah. And so I listened to Pippin. I, I love Pippin so much. I don't even know anything about Pippin. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I could change any aspect of my time in college. So this is about to get real deep. Get ready. Get deep. I got my shovel. Uh, I got my shovel. <laughs> I, for years, have had really conflicting opinions about Greek life. What do you mean? And what are you? You are the most Greek. And I, we were one of the most Greek people I know. You were in a fraternity, a sorority, and a co-ed honor society. Like, you were Greek to the T. I know. I was full-on Greek. And to the point where literally I was like, making jokes about other people's <laughs> groups and you know like i i was that person give your heart um, and your kisses to the I lord was, <laughs> i love delta Pi. <laughs> shout out to delta Pi. um josh you wish you had a nickel you wish you had a dime that's right you wish you had a pie cat to love you all the time no i wasn't gonna finish it with the way i would have said because i don't want to throw shade okay throw your Ow. shade but anyway i don't know like i have nothing against Greek life, obviously, but I had conflicting opinions about my time in Greek life because I pledged my freshman year, I pledged Theta Chi Epsilon, um, my second semester of college. Green is great. So I was barely. I said green is great. Green is great. Uh, actually, I really don't like green, <laughs> but I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like green. But I pledged my freshman year and I was barely 19 years old. And so I look back and I'm like, damn, I was like literally, literally a child. Um, and through my four years, there was such a transformation within my group. And there was just a lot that transpired. And, you know, there was a lot of drama. Lot of drama. We always had a lot of drama. And that took a toll on me. And then... I don't know. I just felt in some instances like I didn't fit in with my own group. Yeah. Probably starting towards the end of my sophomore year. And that was really hard for me because, I don't know, like it became my life at Emory. And so I was like, well, I don't really fit in my own life. That kind of sucks. Yeah. Over the years, I've had to do a lot of reconciling with myself and like really trying to not hate on my Greek-like experience because, I don't know, we were all so young and whatever issues I had with other people then, I hope 
that they're not issues now. And I don't know. Yeah, that's one of the things I think yeah. back about, especially with Greek life, is that there was so much drama and everybody took everything so seriously as it pertained to Greek life. And like now as adults, like, so I was an honorary member of the Pi Sigma Kappa sorority. I was a flame. Which is like a sweetheart. I have to say that because some people don't even know what a, they're like, what's a flame? But everybody kind of generally knows what a sweetheart of a fraternity or a sorority is. Yeah. That's why when I talk to people, I don't say, oh yeah, I was the sugar pie in college. Because they're like, what the fuck is that? I just say, I was a a sweetheart. And people generally know what that means. But um, there's a lot of uh, drama and a lot of uh, misunderstandings. And we've talked about some of that stuff um, in the years since we've graduated and like, the people that I've had those issues with, even they were like, I don't even know mm-hmm. why I was so mad about that. Or I don't even know why we took that so seriously. It was so stupid. And, you know, I'm so glad that we were able to get past that. And we have friendships into adulthood to the points where like mm-hmm. we talk to each other whenever we can. We get to see each other whenever our schedules allow, which is not right now because of the Rona. We get to attend each other's like weddings and like ceremonies and stuff. So I do think that a lot of good came out of being a part of a Greek organization in the long run. But like looking back, there was a lot of stuff that like, if we had a little bit more age and clarity, it wouldn't have been an issue then. Oh yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that. Everything back then was so intense. It had to be intense. Everything Everything. was a big deal. I remember in particular, it was my junior year and your senior year. There was a shit ton of drama between Theta Chi and Delta Pi. Yes. And yes, a shit ton. And as you were saying earlier, I was a brother of Theta Chi Epsilon and a sweetheart, sort of, of Delta Omicron Pi. And I won't get into what the drama was about, but there were a lot of feelings involved in the drama. And because I was a member of both organizations, I was literally (laughs) being pulled from both ends. Yeah. Like there were people in Theta Chi that would be like, oh my God, those girls are so annoying. Like, I can't believe, like, blah, 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 blah. And then the girls would be like, oh, the guys don't care about us. Those guys suck. We're going to hang out with the den. And it was just, it was a lot. And it was stressful. No, I know. And, and I remember you going through this and we would talk about it. And I, being the person that I was, was just like, you know what? Let's just have fun. Who cares? <laughs> let's just enjoy as much as it as we can as far as like going to functions and stuff and don't take it so oh seriously functions. but yeah i do remember it being an issue for you yeah it was a lot and i think anytime you're in a greek group and because i was in a greek group for like four years i was able to see a lot happen and the culture of everything shifted you know mm-hmm. There were a lot more people that were smoking and the partying part of it started shifting as well. And, you know, at the time I had never even seen marijuana. I had no idea what it even smelled like. I just knew that I didn't want that for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think other people interpreted it as me being like stuck up about it. And so they felt judged and like, I just feel like there was a lot of misunderstanding and I do think a lot of that has to do with age, like you were saying. But, you know, we get older, (laughs) things happen, people change. Hopefully, maybe I'm not the only person out there that feels that way, but yeah, yeah, I can finally come clean with it now on this podcast. (laughs) I was not 
the happiest person in Greek life. And for a while, I I don't want to say regretted it because I don't think I regretted it, but it, it just, it was something I didn't look back on fondly. Mm. But now I feel like I'm able to with age and years and experience. Yes. And one of the things, I don't know if you can speak on this, but I saw from the outside and from being kind of on the inside, because I was friends with a lot of people outside of PiCap and other Greek organizations. Like I had really good friends. Like one of my best friends ever was a Delta Pi. Um, and another one of my closest mm-hmm. friends, Delta Pi, and you were Delta Pi, and my roommate was Theta Chi. Like, so I have all these connections, even with the Din, who I, you know, but. I always thought it was so weird that like there could be one person who wanted to be a part of those organizations who would get along with, let's say like nine out of 10 of the people. And there could be that one person who was just like, no, I don't like this person for their own personal reasons or for their own petty reasons. (laughs) And then that person was robbed of an opportunity to be a part of something because of one or two people's opinions of them. And I always thought that that was so unfair and so childish. (sighs) Yeah. The whole black ball experience and God, what (laughs) looking back at those. Yeah. So Greek groups will go through these things called black balls, black Black balls. balls? This sounds so gross. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds so gross. I was like black balls. Yeah. It's part of the bid process. It's like imitations, I guess, to make it less gross and more simplified. Like you would invite people into your group. And they would vote, essentially, on who they would allow in or not. That's what blackball process is, correct? Yes, that's what it was. And usually, at least for us, I think with some (laughs) groups, they would do their blackballs in like literally 10 minutes. Ours would literally go overnight. We would start maybe at 7 p.m. And we would be discussing and debating through like 5 a.m. the next morning. I'm not even kidding. And it's exactly how it sounds. A lot of times for us, it was super dramatic. And there would be people who were like, yes, I want this person. And there would be other people like, no, we can't have that person. And there was a lot of conflict. And usually it always tied back to values. But, you know, for being honest. It was not. It was, it was all personal feelings and personal biases towards people. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of young people feeling a certain way. Um, but, yeah. That's college. <laughs> um, but my, my last question for you, and it's something I ask everyone that comes on the show, but if you could call anyone from your past, who would you call and why? So I have a couple people, but one of them in particular who you know, and I don't know, even know if you still talk to this person, but we went to college together, old Graham Grasty. We were really close, really good, mm-hmm. really weird relationship throughout our college years. And then after college, it was hit or miss. So I just would like Mm -hmm. to have that reconnection to figure out what happened and just how he's doing in adult life. And I saw this quote recently and I don't know who the hell said it. So if you know this person, you know who the quote is, let me know. But the quote was, was like, I'm mature enough to wish the best of people I no longer talk with, but real enough to mean it. And so, like, I'm mature enough to know that you're going to lose people as you get older, but I'm also mature enough to know that, like, even if I don't talk to them, I wish that they're having the best with wherever they are in life. Mm. So. I love that. Yeah. 
I've never heard that before, but I definitely agree with the sentiment. And I think it's really relatable. Just because you're not close with someone anymore doesn't mean you don't wish them well. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think yeah. that just because you don't talk to them, like you're just, you're hating on them or you're like looking into their life, waiting for something to go bad. I don't feel that way about people I don't talk to anymore. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why we don't talk, but I still wish nothing but the best for you, you know? I love those friendships where you can go months or sometimes even years without talking. But then when you do talk, it's like you're picking yes. right up where you left off. And that's, I think that's ideal. But I love that answer. And I've always had a lot of love for Graham. Um, I know I'm always telling Anna Bailey, I'm like, I love Graham. I miss Graham. And coincidentally, I actually spoke to him, I want to say last week, briefly. Really? Because I'm convinced he's like he living in a like... cave somewhere with no cell phone or internet <laughs> capabilities. Well, Graham's always been hard to reach. He was just easier to reach before because we were living in the same yeah. place. <laughs> but you should reconnect with him. I'm sure he would enjoy like saying hi and being able to talk. I have one last question for you, though. Now that you oh, have this definitely. podcast going, what are you going to call your listeners? You've got to have a name for them. you got to have something. <laughs> oh, my God. What am I going to call yes. them? You need to- so the name of the podcast is who are you again? So I, I can't call them who because <laughs> it sounds like whores, actually. <laughs> what up, horse? <laughs> what up, horse? I mean, I could do that, but I'd rather not. Ugh, againers? Again? I need you to um, ponder on it and come up with a name for your listeners because they need names. If yeah. they're going to take the time to yeah, listen I'm gonna to you, they need, a, they need a name. Them the rules. That's true. Yeah, my go-to phrase has just been, for anyone who's listening... (laughs) Whoever you are. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever you are. Yeah, I will will think about that. But Josh, I wanted to thank you so, so, so much for coming on the show. I had a lot of fun, even though we had to record this about nine times. It worked, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think it worked. I hope you get an iPhone. No, that won't happen. Um, (laughs) <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm just tired of seeing that green bubble, okay. that green text well, bubble. I'm sorry, not sorry. I'm not <laughs> ever getting an iPhone. Oh my God. If you well, send we'll me see. an iPhone, um, I will record it me like destroying it with my Android and send it to you. Oh, fuck <laughs> no. Who's got the money to send you an iPhone? No, thank you. Um, <laughs> all right, Josh. Well, have a good evening and I will talk Bye, to you. Bye. Don't let the Rona get you. Phone ringing off the hook Got me a little shook Who's on the line?